Welcome to Rom Book Pod. I'm your host, Sarah, and today I have with me author Jude Sierra, and we'll be discussing food and romance. Welcome, Jude. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So you have written, is it four or five books? Um, it, is, it is four now. Four books, uh, mostly with Interlude Press, who mm -hmm. they're absolutely wonderful people. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you last year at BookCon in mm -hmm. New York. God, I miss conventions so much. <laughs> that was that was a wonderful summer. It was so nice to meet people that year. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually in the middle right now of reading Idlewild. Oh. Um, and it's basically a love letter to the city of Detroit. Absolutely. That is absolutely what it is. And it's, I mean, in the beginning, I kind of talk about my history, my parents growing up and meeting here. And um, I really, it's like a love letter to the city that's kind of coming back. But also I do, I really wanted to address things about like the, how complex gentrification is and um, issues of like race and class and all of this other stuff. But like in my heart, I have so much love for Detroit and I really want to present it positively because oftentimes it isn't. So yeah, in Idlewild, Tyler, Asher, and Joy go apple picking, uh -huh. and Malik, he gets, I don't want to say affronted, but he was like, why would I want to go apple picking? Yeah. I'm not bougie. <laughs> why would I do that? And yeah. It, it made me pause because I was like, oh, right, not everyone has access to pick your own farms and stuff like that. Like I live in the country. Like mm -hmm. I, I have an ancient apple tree in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I wanted mean, to go <laughs> pick apples, I can go to any farm I want. Whereas if you're in the city and rely on the bus, it's a lot harder. Yeah, it is. And, and I mean, from my house to go apple picking at the nearest place is probably like 30 to 40 minutes. So from the city, it would be quite a lot longer. And I mean, there's like school field trips when you're kids and stuff, but it's not really, and I can't speak for everybody, but it's not necessarily a thing that you're going to do. A lot of people I know aren't going to go apple picking, but we do every year and it's like a really fun family thing. And um, it's a beautiful thing. Fall, And so I just like, because, I mean, partly I, I sometimes write love letters to places that mean a lot to me. <laughs> so some of this is just like, this is Michigan. This is, you know, a Michigan thing for a lot of people. So, yeah. Uh, the only time I've ever been near Detroit was picking up my dad from the airport and then driving to um, the western side to Muskegon. Oh, OK. Wow. What a drive. We had a wedding at a dude ranch <laughs> to go to. <laughs> Oh my um, gosh, that's funny. <laughs> and I kept seeing signs for like famous Michigan cherries, but I don't think it was cherry season anymore. So I was very sad. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, what's funny is um, the list of books that we were looking at is there's one by Roan Parrish that takes place in Michigan too. And a whole big thing about it is like the cherry festivals and, um, and that's more of a like Northern Michigan thing. Um, and then the Upper Peninsula, I have actually, I've never actually been to the Upper Peninsula, and that's where you would get to like Mackinac Island. The Thumb is more like the area of the Thumb, you have a lot of little cities and towns that do different food festivals. So there's like the Cheeseburger Festival and the Fried Fish fe Festival. Um, and so for summertime, a lot of people like to do that kind of stuff. Not this year, obviously, but um, not this year. No, no. Yeah. I miss food festivals. Yeah, my city, I live in a little city of 10,000 people, but we're surrounded by bigger suburbs, and we have um, a farmer's market that we can walk to from our house, so that's really, that's really nice. Yeah, so Idlewild is such a lovely book. I absolutely adore Tyler. Oh, um, thank you. And I don't 
Do you plan on writing more with them where Tyler feels comfortable coming out as genderqueer at all? Um, you know, I for a while wanted to write actually a story for Malik because I feel like he is also a character that I really love because he's complex and um, you get to know more about him later in the book and like the things that kind of shape him for who he is. But after a little bit of time passed, it felt like, and especially after I moved from that book to a tiny piece of something greater, the emotional shift I had to make because a tiny piece of great, like tiny, we just call it tiny because it's such a tight, it's such a title. Um, but tiny involved a lot of personal emotional work because I, you know, the main character has the same mental illness I do that it almost felt like it could no longer get into Tyler's head. So, I mean, Asher knows I, at some point Asher either figures it out or I can't remember if Tyler tells him explicitly. I know I should know this, but I wrote this in 2015. <laughs> I'm about halfway through, so I don't think he's told him quite yet. Have you gotten to the apple muffin scene? They've made the muffins and I'm at the end of like the first sex scene. Okay. The, when they're up in the apartment. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, there's a scene when they're in the office and it's a, a raunchy scene or whatever. That was literally the first scene I ever thought of. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta write a book. But yeah, the apple, the apple muffin scene, for some reason, um, to me, it was like, I liked writing the tension in that scene, but also because Asher's like trying to balance, like he's attracted to Tyler and there's the age difference, but he's still dealing with his grief. So there's a lot of tension there and like some chemistry happening. And then the book kind of moves on. But I hear from so many readers that like the apple muffin scene is a moment for them. Um, yeah, because it's, it's Asher sharing with Tyler the recipe that his husband who's passed away made. Yes. And it's a very emotional thing to share something that personal with someone. Yes. Like, I mean, I don't have many family recipes that I can think of, but I feel like it would be very hard to just like whip out, say, a cookie recipe to someone who I don't that I'm getting to know, but don't know as well. Yeah, it's definitely a pivotal scene. And it's interesting because when I do giveaways, I used to have art cards. I've given them all away. But our art director at Interlude Press, I mean, Chef's Kiss, amazing, made me these beautiful art cards. And it's like the skyline of Detroit, but in like watercolors, um, like watercolor rainbow. And I used to, with giveaways, write the apple muffin recipe on it. And those were the ones I mailed out. So there are people out there in the world who have this apple muffin recipe. And so... Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and my kids are always like, are you going to make them when we go apple picking? <laughs> so. Um, so speaking of other baking stuff, um, yes. remaking of Corbin Whale by Rowan Parrish. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm my sorry. God. <laughs> I, I woke up with the worst craving for Sufgani Yacht a few weeks ago, and mm -hmm. I was like, dang it, it's not that time of year yet. Yeah, Um, Rowan is... First of all, a lovely, lovely human. We've done a couple of visits at Christmas time because her family, well, I don't know, but she has come to visit me a couple of times. And she is such a lovely human and she does so much research. There's so much research that goes into all of her books. So, and then like Corbin, you know, because in Small Change, we have the Christmas burrito scene, which always- Thanksgiving burrito. Or is there also oh, yeah. a Christmas burrito? No, it's, it's the Thanksgiving burrito. I'm staring at my Christmas tree right now. <laughs> So yeah, there's that. Um, but there's something so special about like the magic 
in the baking in Corbin Whale and like the idea of, of baking your emotions into food that um, it's so touching actually that like character development and um, also the whole like making your own bakery. I'm obviously a big fan of books where you like make your own restaurant, make your own bakery, make your own business kind of thing. I think some of the books on my list that we talked about, a lot of them are just like about making your own business and romances set in the food industry creation area. But yeah. um, Corbin Whale is a special book. It's, it's really so special. It was my first one that I read by Rowan. <gasps> Rowan. Um, it was my first one I had read by her and I was so, it's so good and it's just so tender and loving and slightly magical. It, it It's just so magical. And I love Alex and I love Corbin and I really like how in Better Than People we get to see Corbin again. Or at yeah, least that was, Corbin. That was exciting. Better Than People was the first like fic new fiction book I read um, coming out of my concussion. So it took a while for me. I mean, I couldn't read for quite a while. And then when I could read again, it was all academic stuff because I was a year behind on my program, but it was the first romance novel I read coming out of that. It was like such a great, it's like coming home to read Roan's books. They're all so lovely. And there's, you know, she's really an exceptional writer. So that was nice. And then when Corbin, <laughs> there's a little Corbin in there, I was like, yes. <laughs> it's just, I, it, it makes you like, and she did like a video recently where she makes challah bread, which I still need to go watch. But oh, like, she did. I it, make, that. it makes you want to like go get fresh challah to make your own sufganiyat to make all these different desserts, and you just feel the time of year. And I appreciate the how Alex doesn't do Thanksgiving and how he's like, no, we're gonna. I forget what he does. He he doesn't do anything for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's like Hanukkah and it's just how he expresses his Jewish, Jewishness, uh, Judaism, Judaism, how he expresses his faith and just being and being Jewish. And I just really liked the representation and cause I'm, I'm not Jewish, but, um, cause we don't get that many Jewish characters in queer romance. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things with Asher and Idlewild I really wanted to represent, too, um, it, because I grew up, in, you know, I grew up in a town near where I live right now. Where there's a large Jewish, po Jewish population, so a lot of my friends were Jewish, and um, that book I was really trying to represent, like, you know, the true diversity of a city. A lot of times you read books, and it's just not, um, it's not necessarily realistic the lack of diversity. I think, I think romance is so, it's really doing so good about these things now and people are really tuned into it. But for a long time, it's just not realistic to have, you know, an all, a, a group of all <laughs> Caucasian and white people living in particular place when that's not representative of like what the actual yeah. place looks like or sounds like and people's diversity or faith or. Um, yeah, totally. But yeah, um, I mean, uh, all of Roan's books make me so hungry. And then it's like, I'm gluten free. So I'm like, oh, I miss challah bread. So I mean, I really miss things like challah bread. I think you can make gluten free challah bread. Yeah, I have um, seen it. <laughs> I stopped baking for a while when I moved into my new house because my oven, it's like really old and it plays a game of any temperature, any time. So you, it's very hard to bake. You never really know what's going to happen. No, that, that, that is very hard. Um, and I know in small change, ginger, is it ginger? 
Yeah, it's Ginger and Christopher. Ginger and Christopher. I was like, I have the book in my, I have my book sitting right here, but I was just like, hold on, names. Um, and I know the simple act of Christopher making her like a new bagel right. was like so overwhelming to her. She was like, what, why do I deserve this bagel after I've dropped my bagel? And then yeah. like continuing the Thanksgiving burrito tradition with Christopher and just the little mm-hmm. bits of food here and there and how they feed each other. And Ginger, mm. I love Ginger and I love her prickliness. And mm-hmm. when she screws up, she understands she screws up. And Christopher's like, I, I get it, but you still hurt me. And yeah. there's a lot of work that they both have to put in and give. Yeah, definitely. I think that, and so Ginger's best friend, Daniel, too. I don't know if you've read... Um, the middle of- I read Middle of Somewhere, but I read it after I had read Small Change. Okay. And then I was like, wait a second, Ginger has a brother? Hold on. Oh, no, this plot point doesn't exist anymore in her book. Um, well, Daniel is like her brother, so the best friend. Um, and, you know, in that book, too, Daniel falls into a relationship with Rex, who is, like, this amazing cook who lives in this, like, he's kind of reclusive and all this other stuff. And um, one of the ways that Rex shows him care is by cooking him all this amazing food, food because Daniel is kind of like, oh, my God, he's, like, a disaster. <laughs> I don't Have you read Red, White, and Royal Blue, how Alex is, like, total chaotic disaster and it's amazing that's kind of like Daniel I haven't but I, I know what you're mean like he's like like a queer disaster who's just like doesn't doesn't have his stuff together and doesn't know what to do of anything and right and there's like so much caretaking and in that book it's actually he's so surprised by people in a small town caring about him and at a coffee shop they name a, a drink after him <laughs> he's like yeah. why why are you doing this and I think in small change, there's a lot of that too, and it's like, uh, in small change, it's very sexy. It's it it's is. the act of feeding that can be very powerful and very like almost reclaiming. Because I know, like, as queer people, we are not always given a seat at the table in our own families. So yeah. creating families where we feed each other and stuff like that. Like for me, on like the solstices and equinoxes, I have friends over and I make dinner. Yeah, that, that's my thing. Like, if I have people over, there's there's gonna be food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Not I am like having people over now because you know, yeah, life. <laughs> hashtag life right now I mean I do and I'm not in real life I'm like the antithesis of a foodie I like I can eat the same thing every day I do not care but I love reading about it because I think that um the act of feeding and the act of hosting there's so much like care and attention put into it that that's the thing that I don't know it like really draws me in and like, I mean, as we, we kind of, when we were preparing for this, when we were talking about the, the key lime, anything with limes or lemon or like pies appears quite often in romance yes. novels. Um, and there's the question of why, you know, and I, I mean, I wrote a scene in a tiny piece of something greater with like a total key lime cupcake fail that ends up being a wonderful, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to say wonderful. I really enjoyed writing the scene that came after, because one of my characters tries to bake cupcakes. So Reed tries to bake cupcakes for Joaquim, and it, like, it's a total disaster. But it's, like, he's trying something new, and he's, you know, wanting to do this really loving thing for it. Um, But he tries to hide it. So there's a whole scene in the pool where they're playing a 20 questions game, and it's really flirty and fun. And 
um, it just was, it was a delight to write that. And it was, you know, that moment where the act of trying to do something and surprise somebody. And even if it doesn't work out, like the love and care went into it. Yeah. Um, so then that love and care was received, even if the cupcakes did not turn out the way they should. And I love yeah, key lime no. pie. So <laughs> totally. Um, and then in the same vein, we have, or a similar vein, we have Counterpoint by Anna Zabo where we have Dominic and Adrian. And the mm. first scene we have is Adrian in the middle of a restaurant, spoon feeding lemon meringue <laughs> pie to Dominic. And I haven't oh read my, a lot of romances. So... I've been mostly reading fanfic. And I was like, uh -huh. wow, this is the steamiest thing I've read in a very long time. <laughs> and that says a lot if you're reading fanfic, because that's what I've been doing too. Because <laughs> mostly, uh... or mostly when I'm reading, there's not... The sexual tension is later and not like boom bang here it is immediate in a restaurant first five pages well and the thing about i mean and that book is done beautifully in the sense like the the title counterpoint applies in so many levels in that book you know it's like um dominic's two different personas which are like night and day and then you know you have their relationship you know kind of the the, the sexy bdsm i, I think it's what do we call it that in that book? Yeah. Yeah, it's a type of DS. Um, yeah, so there's, yes, yeah, some DS elements there. And so you have that. So like right from the start in that scene, they set it up. They set up the, this this counterpoint and the dichotomy. And you have that, that pie, which is like sweet and tart. And I mean, right from the start, we're like, bam, this is what kind of story it's going to be. But it maintains all these beautiful tensions throughout. Yeah. Um, I love that book. I think I've read it like four or five times. It was just, I, I read it. I, I read it once and I'm listening to the audio again right now. And mm. Greg Bordeaux does a, he's, he does, he's such a wonderful person and he does such a fantastic job narrating romances like this. Yeah. I'm not uh, big, I'm not a huge audio person cause I have processing issues. Um, but I did listen to a lot of audio when I had my concussion and there's some great narrators out there like a plus. And like yeah. when Dominic describes the lemons, it's like he describes them as being the essence of summer. And I felt that mm -hmm. that was very powerful because um, for me, I, I like lemons. Mostly I just like to eat them like an orange. Yeah. Which is like you just peel them and then make sure you get all the seeds out and then eat them. Um, OK. Because like there's something about the tartness that especially if I'm very anxious, oh. it helps to ground me. I totally understand that. Um, I mean, I don't eat lemons for that, but I do have particular physical things that I that ground me when I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling like um, my moods are beginning to cycle rapidly because that's part of having cyclothemia. So I totally get that. Like the physical, it can be physical, auditory, or even taste things that ground you in your anxiety. And that I remember that sentence too, because actually when I was a kid and we lived in Brazil, we had um, a lime tree although I think it's considered a lemon tree in the United States. It's one of those things that's like different words for different things, but it was ornamental. So it didn't really, we didn't really have um, limes, but if you would take the leaves off the tree and like kind of rub them on your skin or break them apart, um, then you would smell like lemons or limes. Like, I mean, I'm so confused by American stuff um, for the rest of the day. And it's such a lovely smell. And one time we went into Bath and Body Works and I found a candle that smelled exactly like that. And it was like homecoming. It was, oh, it's like every beautiful thing in my childhood that I miss. I think um, the one thing 
if I ever move to a slightly warmer place <laughs> is I want my own lemon tree so I can just go out back and grab a lemon and just eat it. <laughs> and then you could make some pie and be the perfect moment for, <laughs> yeah. for, for tension and chemistry. <laughs> hey, if somebody wants to spoon feed me lemon meringue pie, I'm totally open to that in life. Like, Yeah, I have actually the ingredients for lemon meringue pie because we were going to do it for Thanksgiving, but then everything went awry. Um, and so tomorrow's my birthday, and I think I'm going to make it for myself. I just need to make the gluten-free crust or whatever. So I can just ask, I can just ask someone to spoon feed me that for my birthday. <laughs> well, happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, the, there's another... Um, Okay, what was it? For Real by Alexis Hall. Is that yes, one? For Real by Alexis Hall, which is slightly higher on the Steam charts. That is definitely, definitely BDSM. And like I, I said, that's the first, that was the first romance novel I ever bought for myself when I was transitioning into fan fiction. So years and years and years ago. So, and you know, I mean, fan fiction is not shy or whatever, but I learned things from that book. I had to Google things and during that, that lemon pie scene. So it's been, it's been I've reread it, I think three times. So it's been a while since I've listened to it again. Mm -hmm. but just the way Alexis uses food is just so great. Cause he, he does it with boyfriend material with how the characters eat and interact with each other and just how characters are involved with food can be a very mm -hmm. powerful thing. Um, like uh, in Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert, um, Danny is always bringing Zaff. I think it's like a protein bar and some coffee in the morning because he forgets to eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. So every time she's on her way to class, she stops and gives him that. And, is, and he's like so touched by it. So that mm -hmm. they like start to become friends and then when they have to like pretend to fake date, it changes the dynamics and mm -hmm. it's just how the, the small act of being friends with like the campus security guard and giving him something to eat is just, it's, it's it can be a powerful thing. Just that one small act of feeding someone. Absolutely. That's, I haven't read that one, but that sounds lovely. And I also need that in my life as a breakfast skipper. <laughs> It's such a good book. Um, you've also read uh, Soda Voce by Erin Finnegan? Yes, that book is, it's one of my favorites. It's so beautifully written and I learned so much. That one's like, a, you learn so much about the wine industry and um, it sets up this beautiful, like, it, you know, in this book we have, I think it's, I don't know how to say the word, a sommelier, sommelier? a wine critic who spends a year in wine country in California, learning all about different wineries there and setting up a competition of like big wineries versus t small wineries. And, you know, there's the romance and the falling in love and the small wine, which is um, the small winery. Soda Voce is the name of a very, very special wine that this tiny winery makes. And it's like the descriptions. It's like, you're just so placed in the moment with everything. And it just, I don't know. It made me fall in love with wine in a way I never had before. <laughs> um, and it's just, I don't know. There's something about being so put in the place and like it being steeped in this industry and something that's, I don't know, like it, it felt really sensual. If that yeah, makes sense. Like when you can see that your characters are passionate about something, mm -hmm. you then can enjoy it more because you're like that, what makes, this is what makes them tick. 
this is how they can be brought together. Mm-hmm. And you can learn things from romance. Yes, way. I love I love learning things. Um, and a food thing is great for that. All of these food ones, it's like I, I learned so much I didn't know before, and you kind of want to like dive into that world. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> um, though I suppose the opposite of a good food is the stinky cheese in um, In Pursuit of by Courtney Milan, where the characters are trying to make it from Virginia to Newport, Rhode Island after the end of the American Revolution. Mm. And I think that the only food they have with them is this stinking rotting cheese. Oh my God. (laughs) And they're like, well, the cheese isn't so bad as they're like sitting there bonding over having to eat this ridiculously smelly, terrible tasting cheese. And they're like, it's not so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like the weirdly most romantic thing about the book is them bonding over this terrible cheese oh that is a uh, I want to say it's adorable I haven't read I mean this is one that's on my you know to read list that sounds really lovely I like that it, it's such a lovely book and it's like well I think it's actually a novella but it always feels longer mm-hmm. um but it's like my favorite thing that Courtney has written um because we don't get that many queer American revolutionary or set stories mm-hmm. yeah um another one that we both read is Misfits by Garrett Lee. Yes. I read that one a, a very long time ago, again, when I was first starting to read romance. And I've read it a few times. Um, I love Garrett's stuff. And when this morning, when I was kind of like looking through books to, to, to refresh, because <laughs> um, it's been a while, I started reading a couple chapters. And I was like, I want to read this again right now. I want to get lost in it. It's, uh, I mean, you have open relationship kind of I mean that's what you have in there but there's the dynamics of figuring that out but it's also all kind of set in like one of them being a chef and one of them being a person who like it's not owns restaurant chains but what's the word for like he has several restaurants he's like a I mean he creates them is that the word for it he he develops various restaurants so he's trying to like open a new one yeah Um, so that's what Tom has and then we have this other character who we discover is just like a creative genius with um graphic design and visual design and stuff so the three of them together make a perfect kind of situation and then emotionally we have a lot of stuff happening as they negotiate different things there too and um, yeah because Jake has Tourette's mm -hmm. and he feels like he's, he's trying to make sure that it's not like a sympathy job yeah exactly and then, like we have Cass who's kind of like who's Tom's partner and Cass has his stuff and him and Jake bond. And then Tom's like, oh, good. They both bonded now. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I and Cass he, has a story, you know. And Cass has a lot of issues and stuff. And I really love them so much. And that's another one that I listened to. I read it and read it again and listened to it in audio. And I keep, it's one of my few that is an automatic re-listen just because I love Garrett's writing. Um, yeah. she's, she's such a lovely person. I got to meet her a few years ago at um, the UK meet in Bristol. Mm-hmm. I think I've met Carrot, um, Garrett, sorry, <clears throat> not Carrot. I was following some water there. I met Garrett at, um, it's not the same con anymore. I think it's just called, I don't know what it's called now, but the RWA conference that everybody used to do. I forget what oh, it was RT? called. Yes, at RT. So I met um, Garrett at RT maybe 2016 or 17 so lovely such a lovely person it was just like a quick meeting but it was really nice I think I think 
she was like having an interview with Elise Springer and I totally was like, Hey, <laughs> I just totally inserted myself. Um, I, I miss conventions because I like just sitting and talking with people and it get it's, it's been a lonely year. Yeah. I mean, that summer when we met at BookCon right after that, I did ALA and those were the best, the, the, that was hands down the best summer, best conferences I'd ever been to. And it was, really exciting and invigorating with the authors that I met and the connections that I met. And, you know, I was really excited because I was, I was about halfway through my first YA book that I was writing and I, you know, I went home and like three days later concussed myself. I couldn't, couldn't write for, I don't know, from, I think I started being able to read and write again in October and that was in July. So, um, but that was like that meeting everybody that at those conferences was just uh, such a highlight. Yeah, I got to meet Kat Sebastian last summer. Um, she was at RWA and I was like, well, I can take time off and go do a mini road trip to New York and go to RWA just so I can see you. Oh I my could love Econ. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I would love to meet Kat Sebastian. We've had some conversations on Twitter a couple years ago and um, they seem just like a, a lovely human. She, really. She's so absolutely wonderful. Um, two rogues make a right. One of the characters has tuberculosis, mm. chronic tuberculosis. Oh, okay. I'm thinking about the other book where one of the characters has malaria. The um, the one about yes. a rake. Yes, Ruin of a Rake has a character with chronic malaria, and then Two Rogues Make a Right has a character with tuber- chronic tuberculosis, mm. and. I guess both those diseases could technically be chronic. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you can relapse. <laughs> century diseases. Uh, Will and Martin. Will takes care of Martin and like spoon feeds him broth through all his like fever dreams and they oh take care of each other and make sure that they're okay and just feeding characters when they're sick. I think um, Julian and Courtney do the same thing in Ruin of a Rake, except mm. it's with, like, buttered buns. Oh, that's right. Oh, I wanted sticky buns so bad. That's another book where I was like, why am I gluten-free? That's I, I really love Ruin of a Rake. I've read so many times. And when, when we started talking about Two Rogues Make a Right, I part of me was like, how have I never read this? Because when I discovered Cat Sebastian's books, I, I went, like, on a total bender <laughs> and, and just bought a ton of them. So I don't know how I missed that one, but it is, like, I think well, I bought it. it's the latest, so that might be why. Oh, okay. I was, okay, good. I'm not too, but the last book I read by Cat um, before I couldn't read anymore was the, the one with the spy in the small town and the ladies who knit. And it was just, like, I love that. <laughs> Yes, Hither that page. is uh, Heather Page. Heather Page, yeah. So, okay, I feel better now. Like, I, I have not let anyone... You know, it, it just came out this year, so, yeah. It's, time I has mean, no meaning this year. What is time? Yeah, actually, we after we talked about it, I bought that book. So as soon as I'm, like, I have a break from PhD stuff, I'm definitely settling down with that one. That'll be totally. awesome. So you read Whiskey Business by Avon Gale. Mm. I read that so long ago that I was like, I have to look this one up. It's a fun one about, um, it's like there's a small town and I can't remember the main character's name. I probably should look that one up. Um, and he makes, I think he's got like a family business that, I, let me look this one up real quickly because no I'm trying to remember. 
um, writer has lives in this tiny town called Gallows Grove, and the, the, the town is kind of dying off. And so um, the book is kind of this, what should I do? Because there's a bigger whiskey, like chain or business that he could um, become a part of. But it's one of those, like, do I want to be corporate or not, I believe. Um, it's like, how do I save the town? And then there's a the tension between the two people. So we have Ryder and so Ryder and Adam, there's like some some tension between them and just trying to figure things out. And that's that's a nice one because I think there's that um, that overarching theme of like not just whiskey, but like that small town thing and, and a bigger a bigger theme and a bigger goal and bigger dreams for the person. And, and like the you know, it's kind of like with Idlewild, the love that goes into creating your own business for reasons that go beyond your business, like the place that you love, the people that you love, caring for those people. So that one was, and I think this one might technically be a novella, but it's, yeah, it's a wonderful book. Avon's books are always fantastic. So. I've read her hockey books, and I haven't had a chance to read her other books, but she's so lovely. Yes. Um, and it just, food books are great. Um, mm-hmm. The last one I had for reading is um, A Little Familiar by R. Cooper, and it's about a witch who, his family, they're generally, they they don't end up with having a partner, they're generally alone, mm-hmm. um, but there's this familiar who's a human, and he's like a rare witch with no magic, and he's just like, hey, mm-hmm. and um, P- P- Peter, P-I-O-T-R. Sounds Russian or Polish. I see. This is why I love the audio. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I need to know. <laughs> Tell me how um, to say he, <laughs> he like makes his own honey and he does all this canning and like all this magic around food. And like, it's very much kitchen witchcraft, mm. which is something like I'm a bad kitchen witch. Like I'm a very lazy kitchen witch. <laughs> so like a lot of the time when I find these books that are very magical, that feel very pagany i'm like yes this is this is what i wish my house would look like like having herbs hanging from the ceiling or on the wall and all these jars of everything and just that's what i want yeah that does sound very corbin whale that one's definitely going on my tbr now oh. the entire series because little familiar is halloween the next one is solstice and i think also involves an ice cream shop Oh, yes. And then the third one is also Halloween again. And it's just, it's so hard to find in romance stories with witchy and pagan characters that feel very, like, this is their spirituality rather Mm -hmm. than this is a witch character. Yeah. It's, I love, I like Cooper's shorter novel, like her novellas, Uh her longer stuff has a lot like I like pining and slow burn but her books are like pining to like the very end of the book slow burn I have written one of those (laughs) I like I I enjoy the pining to the end of the book but I also want to see like post relationship getting together yeah it it, it gets a little frustrating at times but I love her books a lot that's Um, when you start writing your own fan fiction (laughs) What books are on your TBR, either foodie or otherwise, right now? Um, well, right now, that Cat Sebastian, I actually just bought it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, um, so 
Annie, who is one of my fellow book bloggers on um, Queer Books Unbound, so it's me, Annie, and Sadie. Annie has been on me to read His Quiet Agent. It's so good. For like four years. And I always mean to. Um, but it's one of those things I'll be like, oh, I got to buy the book. And then something else happens or I have a book to review or I'm finishing my master's thesis. <laughs> yeah. And actually, when I was writing my master's thesis, I, I the first time I got back into fan fiction after I had I, I can't do both at the same time. So it's like I'm either doing fan fiction or romance, but I can't juggle the two. So at that point in time it was really a Marvel moment for me. But yeah, I, I think that Annie Annie will murder me if I never read this book. And I really, really want to. So I don't know why I haven't. So that's after I read Kat's book, that is second, especially now that I know there's food in it. It's <laughs> second on my list on my TBR. Let's see. And I'm trying to think of what else is on my TBR right now. There's so much good stuff coming out. And I'm, um, you know, I just read, um, I just read the new, I read an arc of the new Casey McQuinton book. Um, which I think people are going to be really excited by. It's, it's a whole, it's a whole different change from Red, White, and Royal Blue. Casey's such a special writer, so not on my TBR, but I'm just going to throw that out that it, it should be on TBRs when it comes out. Um, but so I've been doing some arc reading for reviewing, so my TBR list is kind of a hot mess right now. That um, that, that I know that feeling. Yeah. So and I also I mean like and I just kind of look at them and go, this isn't happening anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I've just I'm getting into um, Annabeth Albert's um, firefighter series too right now because I have an arc for that one, so I had to read she the previous show. She does a lot show. of great stuff with food, a lot oh, of great stuff. Um, when I was I, with her, uh, my brother lives out by Seattle, so when I was out there a couple of years ago, I went, met her down in Portland, and she took me to one of the I don't think it was a restaurant that's in her books, but one that's in the area where her books are set in. Mm. Uh, she's she's such a lovely person. Oh, I love, uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many great, everybody out there is so lovely and the community is just wonderful. This, it's been, getting to know people has been a really fantastic experience. And it's just one of those things where it's, I like have to go in, like I, I binge read things and then have to shift my focus. And so right now my focus has been so much on this, on my PhD stuff, because I hadn't, I had to do an exam in July, which we talked about, which is why I was a hot mess coming into this, is I had my exam and now I'm doing my prospectus and stuff. So it's like, what do I have the, the mind for? And this, and so as soon as I'm done with this prospectus, I am like trolling the internet and, and like, I'm going to be <laughs> just going to be going after people to tell me what to read. I haven't read the new Alexis book, so I'm really excited for that one too. What is it? Boyfriend material? Yep, boyfriend material. Yeah, that's on my TBR. I, They're um, both absolute disasters in it, and I love them both. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think in fan fiction world, we call that like the chaos gay. <laughs> chaos gay. I, I, or chaos bisexual or chaos ace or. Chaos queer. Let's just call it. That's what queer. it is. Chaos um, queer. That's actually. <laughs> it's great. It's a, it's, they're my favorite type of characters is chaos or disaster characters. Um, as for my TBR, I've got uh, Gentle Wolf by Pia Foxhall, which is a wolf mm -hmm. shifter who runs a chocolate shop who falls for a an, another shifter who runs the uh, Western Australia Shifter Museum. Oh. Um, who doesn't like chocolate. <laughs> oh. But comes into the shop every day because it's also a cafe. Um, oh. So I'm oh, that's so looking forward to that. That's an interesting that. premise. 
because I really like um, Pia's universe and how she handles like Alpha, Beta, Omega stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that I've been holding off on reading because it was their last book was um, Zan slash Corey's Eight Kinky Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a picture, I have the paperback, and there's a picture of a bagel with locks on it and a pickle. Oh, and I'm just like, oh, sounds so good. I, I'm, I, will, I keep putting it off because I don't want it to feel like the end, mm-hmm. even though I know they've been gone. That's, I mean, that was so, uh, Corey this, was an, an amazingly lovely human who like there's just an openness and a willingness to teach and talk and like welcome that um I don't I don't have never found anywhere else in the romance world so I can I understand that feeling of like it you don't want it to be over because that's like a lingering thing um just not ready to let go yeah no I it's it's such a beautiful cover and I know I will love the book but it's just not there yet <laughs> um yeah but Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can they find you on the internet? So on the internet, um, you can find me at, let's see, Twitter is just Jude Sierra at Twitter. And then Instagram, I'm Jude M Sierra, M as in Mary. Um, It is a private account, so people do have to ask um, or friend request just because I was um, somehow cross, I don't know, Facebook and Instagram did this cross over thing and um parents in the my kids school community were finding me so i had to close that one up but it's jude m sierra at um instagram and i have a website so it's judesierra.com and you can sign up for newsletter there i have um not been so great with the newsletter since my concussion but i'm hoping to get back on that soon and I, those are really the places you'll find me i think that you can find me on facebook but i have taken a Facebook hiatus in life at all stages and places that, that's in the fair. last, the last that's couple fair. of years. Um, but Facebook is a great place for reader communities. So I know I would be great to, to get back in there, but I'm, I'm most active on Twitter and um, I love the Twitter exchanges and Instagram is just a lovely place. I, I just don't understand Instagram's new layout right now. <laughs> so I'm working on that. And then I do, It's. It, I'm excited. I have something coming up in February. It's just a little thing. So I think that things will be a little bit more active across the board. But yeah, those are the places you can find me. Awesome. And you can find me, Sarah, at, at queer underscore reader on Twitter. And you can find Ron Bookpod uh, at Ron Bookpod Twitter and various other places. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you again for joining us today, Jude. You're welcome. Oh, I just, I just, I'm so sorry. I just remembered something. Um, you can also find me at Queer Books Unbound, um, which is the book review um, blog that we run. So you'll also find oh, me there. Yes, that that's very important because you and Annie and Sadie do great work there. Yes, and we're, you know, I'm, I'm ramping back up since I'm reading romance again, writing some interviews that are interviews, writing some reviews that are coming up. So, yeah, awesome. find us there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rom Book Pod, inclusively yours. If you'd like weekly recommendations for inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Rom Book Pod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, happy reading.